Hey everyone, it's Josh here, and you're listening to Marketing Major, a podcast created to help students get a more local, modern, and exciting take on the marketing world. Our next guest on the podcast today is Heather Thompson. She is currently the Executive Director at the School of Retailing here at the University of Alberta. And a fun fact is that she's actually a dual citizen and she's pursuing her master's degree in organizational psychology at the University of London. And we're really excited to have her on to talk about retail today with us. Welcome, Heather. Thank you for having me. So Heather, retailing is kind of an interesting one because it's almost like marketing in the sense that our school is very accounting and finance based. So retailing gets pushed off the side. And for our listeners who don't know, you can actually major and minor in both retailing and services. So I'm wondering, as a marketing major, I feel like retail is, you have to be really good at marketing in order to have people buy your stuff. So can you kind of talk about how it would make sense to be a marketing major with like a minor in retailing? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because I think when people think about retail, they think about it very one one dimensional, um, whereas marketing is really fluid within all aspects of retail. What I always tell students is when you look at the companies you would love to work for, think about how innovative their marketing is and how much it's changing. Um, and even when you think about the baby boomers or the Gen Ys, um, they're not necessarily keeping up to what marketing needs are today. And this is where students have a huge advantage um, in working in retailers. Like when you think about even Starbucks or Lululemon or WestJet, there's a ton of opportunity to be innovative and, and work with all these different retailers. And it can be a great lifestyle too. And I, I think that people, a lot of students think about working for an agency and um, my advice would be that they're not as prevalent as they were even 10 years ago and they're going away. And what's happening is a lot of companies and a lot of retailers are doing their own marketing in-house. So right, it makes yeah. sense for you to look at the, the retailing aspect. And, and when you were to say minor in retailing and have your marketing major, I know retailers will look at this as, as a huge benefit and you'll have a big leg up when you do leave school. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So Heather, you actually worked at Lululemon and you were the first employee in Alberta, right? (laughs) One of the first, yeah. One of the first, yeah. 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 Okay, so and you worked there for 10 years from 2003 Mm -hmm. to 2013. Yep. Yeah? Yep. That's cool. And I feel like that would be an incredible time to be at Lululemon in that early phase. Mm -hmm. And can you kind of talk about what your experience was like then and how um, kind of your skills with both marketing and retailing developed? Well, it's interesting because, you know, when you think about Lululemon, um, I would challenge you to think of a time where you saw an advertisement for Lululemon. You, yeah, right? that's true. There, there was no commercials. There's no magazine articles other than uh, we had some in the yoga journal. But back then it was really all about organic marketing. Um, and so it was quite an evolution from 2003 to 2013. When I first started, there were six stores. And when I left, there was 230. And now today there's 460. Um, and there's still no TV, no digital right, advertising. Yeah. It's all about it's all about events. And so what we would do, we and this was before social media. Um, so we would just align ourselves with the community. And that was our main marketing tactic. So okay. we would meet with different uh, yoga influencers, different 
different like say runners or personal trainers um, and we would just be in the space so I think that's called activation marketing and so we would just make sure that we're in the forefront of people's minds you know with the clothing and that was kind of how it started then once social media started to become a lot more uh, prevalent the branding part of it kind of exploded. So we unveiled this new branding campaign, and this would have been in 2010, um, because Lululemon's structure is very decentralized. So we were never given, you know, merchandising strategies, window strategies ever. So there was a lot of things that were inconsistent. And so this is where it was interesting, because when you think about the brand of Lululemon, that is very, very much tied to the marketing. And that is, I think, the strongest part of their marketing kind of strategy is having such a strong brand. Um, And so that was really cool to be a part of that and be a part of learning how to make a brand and learning how to, you know, develop that from scratch and then also relay it on to the customers through social media, through, you know, even little things like the email lists and the e-blasts. Then moving on to Facebook and to Instagram, and it's really interesting actually now to, to see it, even though I don't work there, to see how they even have like their own Lululemon Yeg uh, yeah. Instagram and things like that. Yeah, and it's really cool how local they can get for totally. such a big company. Like. And it was interesting because um, they do a lot of things in store, so they don't have necessarily a regional, you know, sort of marketing person. They, for example, in Edmonton, they actually created a position uh, for their. I think they call it. I think they call her like the digital storyteller okay which is really cool um that they created it they found this talented person who had this skill set and they they are like we can't lose you so we'll make this position um and more and more companies are doing that so if you are a marketing major and you have that skill set and you have that passion for it you can do such amazing things at the local store level and um yeah i would really encourage people to get the the perspective of working in the stores because I found it so valuable and I still use so many things that I learned you know in those 10 years today. So what would an entry-level position like if you came out of school and say you want to work for Lululemon what would an entry position look like? That's a good question. Um, It would depend. When I was doing a lot of recruitment um, when we look at the BCOMs um, anywhere from you know a key leader to an assistant manager and I know a lot of people get nervous when they hear that because like, oh my God, I, I, I didn't go to school for four years to do that role yeah. and where I have to really interject and, and um, really encourage students is that A, it's not what you think it is. Mm. Um, you know, you're not working every single evening and you're not making, you know, minimum wage. It's definitely <laughs> not it. Um, you're learning a ton of skills. And the other thing is, is that when you have the right attitude and you have the right, you know, trajectory these types of roles you move really high up really fast so for example if you did want to work in you know the store support center the best route would be starting at the store level showing how committed and how talented you are in the marketing world and it won't take long to get to that marketing role like or they'll create it for you obviously i can't guarantee anything but it's just so many companies are doing such a great job of creating and fostering that talent and keeping it in-house. But the best way and the only way, in my opinion, to get there is starting at that, in that level. So I would encourage students to budget two to three years, you know, to be at the, to be at the store level, you will learn so much and it's so much fun. Um, and you can make a lot of money in those two to three years. And then I would, I would even guess that 
you would like it so much that you probably won't want to leave <laughs> that leadership. That's why you were there yeah. for 10 years. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. I think more and more companies are, are doing a better job of creating this atmosphere on the floor for people to stay at the stores. You know, they're making that the most you know, lucrative position or the most glamorous position. And I think that's really smart because then you draw a better pool of, of recruits. Yeah, that's kind of a big move, um, especially with players like Amazon and Shopify. Exactly. You can either go to the super low-end cost spectrum or you can try to go like the more experiential. And, and a lot of retailers probably have to go to the experiential side because you can't compete with like cost cutting and stuff like that and you can't compete with convenience either right yeah right and so i think people are so caught up and a lot of retailers are thankfully swinging the pendulum backwards to that more experiential thing that you can't replicate online whereas you know like i will always buy diapers on amazon because i don't need that experience i just touch them and totally i just need them to show up (laughs) I will always go to like Poppy Barley, for example, even though they specialize in online. Right. um, I will always go there because I physically want to see the shoes. Or Indigo is a really great example where if you think about the SKUs that Indigo sells, they're all great for online shopping. You know, they're candles, they're mugs, they're books. Like you don't need to try that on. But we go there because it has a coffee shop and it has every you know, gift I would ever need to buy in one place. And like 30% of their store layout has a kid section. So I can leave my child there (laughs) so I can go look at the $40 candles. And it's brilliant because it's all about the experience. Yeah, it's interesting because we had a guest on here that actually worked for Poppy Barley, like just coming out of school. And she said that it was like a crazy good experience for her because it was such a fast paced fast-paced industry but also a time when poppy barley was fairly new so she said you just kind of had to keep your head above water and but it was a lot of fun and when we talked you said how retail offers people like mastery purpose and autonomy Mm -hmm. and i think that's kind of a unique offer that you're not going to get at certain places especially if you're at like a, a large scale company yeah, absolutely. And and this is what I, I, I can't say all retailers are created equally. Yeah, that's true. We should probably, but the good yeah. news is, is that the ones who don't offer that probably won't be around in the next five to 10 years. Yeah. Um, and rest I, in peace, Sears. Rest, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. And, yeah. and I get annoyed because when people think about retail, their automatic, you know, jump is going to be something like a department store or fashion. Right. And it's just so much more than that. And I think with the the growth and where retailers are going, um, I, I think that working in the stores is going to be the, uh, an actual choice. I, I really do. And I think, uh, you know, like w- we look at examples like um, Tiffany's or Casper um, mattresses. Um, that one's really interesting, actually, because they have only been around for four years. They're an American company and they were completely online and right, they had yeah. crazy sales online. They're opening up 300 locations in the next year because they want people to come and experience. They actually had like a nap mobile, which was like the back of a truck where they had all their mattresses. And so, yeah, I saw that in New York. They yeah. had like little sleep chambers you could exactly, go Exactly. Which I think yeah. is brilliant for another reason. But I think, yeah, just, you know, I was at the one in Shoreway Gardens and they have one mattress. It's weird. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you can't buy like it. Like a Tesla, you just like look at it. Exactly. That's <laughs> it. But people want to experience it. Right. So you go there and you still have to buy it online. I think that's so smart of them to still 
you know, have the retail space so people can come and try it out. And I even in what mall was it at? Oh, Yorkdale. And it's obviously not a coincidence. Probably the impulse purchases after three or four glasses. Like if, of that's right. It's a Vegas thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's jump into your role then at the School of Retailing. I feel like a lot of students don't know about the School of Retailing, maybe because it's just in Hub Mall and it's not really in the business school or maybe because yeah. it's not talked about a lot. But can you explain all that the School of Retailing is? And then we'll jump into the opportunities for business students after that. Yeah, for sure. So um, when you think about the School of Retailing, so it's been around for 25 years. Um, it's had a few different uh, directors in its time. But essentially, the mandate and why we exist is to help students understand that you know, retailing is a career of choice, not by accident. And when you talk to a lot of people who are, you know, in senior level positions in a retail capacity, they'll say, oh, I I got here by accident. And, you know, lucky for them, but at the end of the day, we don't want that to be the conversation anymore. So I see the role, um, my role in particular, is to break the stigmas around retailing careers. Um, And so how we do that, it's primarily through three different kind of uh, ways. We have different events throughout the year. Um, So we've had the Henry Singer Awards in previous years. Uh, I think that was a really great event to, to help kind of glam up the industry and bring everyone together. What event was that? I haven't heard of that before. Yeah, so it was, uh, it started in 1992, and it was a... Um, so the Henry Singer family um, was a big part of the School of Retailing. Okay. And so they would host with the university a uh, like a dinner at the Shaw Conference Center. So it wasn't unlike the CBLAs that we currently have in March every year. It was, it was to award an innovative retailer. And so one year when I was working at Lululemon, Chip Wilson won. Oh, cool. Um, it was. It was really neat. And so we attended it, and I couldn't get over how, how many how much of the business community came out. And that was the night that I noticed that people were really proud to be in retail. So, uh, spoiler alert, I am hoping to resurrect something <laughs> of that uh, magnitude or some something in that sort of form while right. still showcasing, um, which is going to be my another point that the school does, is we do such amazing things with research. And at the end of the day, we're the only academic... Um, center for retailing in Canada and there's a lot of really amazing and interesting things that happens on that side that I don't necessarily think is showcased so that's also something that we want to work on and then we also do consulting um, so the the intention with the consulting group with, for the students is so they can get a first-hand experience about um, what other retailers are struggling with so they can see um, you know, just kind of what it looks like when they're in the weeds. And I think it's an interesting glimpse so they can they can kind of experience what retailers are, are doing. So, for example, we did um, a report for the Londonderry Mall because the public library went in there in August. And they were curious, like, what is happening with our foot traffic? Is it decreasing? Is it incre- increasing? Is the demographics changing? You know, wh- what are the different kind of... Um, you know, intricacies that are involved when the public library goes into a physical space like that. Um, And so we had four students kind of there on the ground interviewing and doing a ton of 
ton of different work. So um, that's that's like market research then, hey? T- completely market research. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it didn't take long, actually. It, it's interesting because I know a lot of people get nervous when they think about market research and surveying. Yeah. But this is where being a student, you have so many advantages because people want to <laughs> talk to you. So, you know, we make sure like everyone's wearing like the U of A hoodies and, you know, you're not, you're, you're a third party institution. You're not trying to sell anything. Yeah. You're not trying to get personal information. <laughs> you're not the Shaw guy in the blue pole. Exactly. <laughs> Do you get it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really organic and it's actually, it happened. I want to say we talked to 200 people in like three hours. Like wow. it was quick. Yeah. And that has not been my experience in the past. So that was really exciting to, to see. Um, and so then from there, we put together this really um, comprehensive, aesthetically pleasing report for the client. And the client was very happy uh, with it. And so that that's just an example of something that we're doing you know, on a, I want to say we probably do one project a month at this point. I'm hoping to increase that because this is a really good opportunity for students to get paid to, to work with retailers. So if, if I'm a student and I want to get into this program, how do you go about doing that? Because can you, it's the consulting and then the research or is that kind of combined? Yeah, it's combined. Okay. Yeah, it's combined. Uh, so the best way is to connect with me. I'm going to be doing an open house at the end of November. Just going to have some pizza and get people to, to come and listen to what the 2019 strategy is for the School of Retailing. And we're going to figure out a game plan right then and there. And nice. then we're going to see where people you know want to be a part of it, if they want to be a part of it. Uh, for example, there's somebody who is really passionate about digital design. And so she, she asked, well, I want to be a part of it, but can I do it in such a way that I'm, you know, putting together the report at the end and things like that. And I'm like, this is a really, that's a really great point. Yes, is the short answer because I want to utilize your talent and I want you to use this opportunity to not necessarily like make all the mistakes, but to learn and to grow and to, um, to even, you know, look at resources that, you know, the, I don't want to say the real industry or real consultants use because we are real consultants, but, you know, for example, there's, she wants to learn how to use Adobe Spark. Okay. So this would be a great time for her to, to sit down and really learn that. And I think um, on that note, students leave uh, the business with a business degree that is really academic and it has a great foundation for the real world. Uh, being part of the consulting group gives you a really great kind of practical toolkit. So you can learn how to use the Adobe suite. You can learn how to physically do a market survey. You can see how this all comes together, which are really important because they're that that's what, you know, kind of starts the employable skills kind of bucket for students. Yeah, that makes sense. We've had people on this podcast before kind of talk about how if you spend all your time in business school just going through the courses and you have your head down and then you graduate and if you don't know anyone and you don't have those kind of like non-academic skills I guess then you're kind of you're in no better position than the person graduating that you know that didn't do well in school but exactly. they just they like exactly and, and and I obviously am very biased in this but my from what I could tell in um in the professional world being very balanced in your in who you are as a student as a human being and as a professional is really important yeah so you know having like you said those i don't want to use the word connections but having the relationships 
I would say is so critical to any sort of success because you want to be able to find the people that you trust and that you know and who can really give you the insight that when you're a 23-year-old graduate is is really important to have that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that would be, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that having that practical experience is critical. All right, so if you've convinced students to kind of pursue a retail career, I'm kind of wondering what the landscape looks like in Edmonton. Like we have the development of the ICE district, and then you also talked about how Edmonton has a really big focus on like food and beverage, but... Mm -hmm. You kind of, when we first met, you talked about how Edmonton retail stores need to do a better job of kind of like leveraging that food and beverage experience. Can you kind of talk about uh, what the future of retail looks like in Edmonton? Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting conversation. Um, This summer, the Downtown Business Association put together an awesome comprehensive report about what the downtown core looks like, just as an example, and that included, you know, the future with the ICE District. So when you think about the, the downtown, the future of, you know, Edmonton's downtown it's kind of at a tipping point and it's going to be really interesting to see how this all unfolds once the ice district uh, becomes available because I think it's something like 200,000 square feet of retail space. That's now, huge. Yeah. It, it's, it's insane. When's that supposed to be done? That's a good question. I, I feel like I should know that. <laughs> I want to say it's uh, like in two years. Okay. I'm actually just going to Google that right now. Um, But essentially, when we look at the downtown, the core, what's existing right now, like you said, the food and beverage scene is amazing. Little um, hole-in-the-wall, you know, little bars, little cafes are opening up left, right, and center. Do you have a favorite? Uh, Lockstock (laughs) and District. Oh, yeah. Which are both licensed, which I didn't actually, because I've only ever been there for coffee before, and I was there, and I'm like, oh, this is a bar. Okay, so this tells me that the downtown core of Edmonton is ready for socialization, which is really the foundation for what you need for an amazing retail sector. So what the report found was that everybody who lives in and around downtown or works primarily down here, they want a grocery store. There isn't a grocery store. The only grocery (laughs) store is on 109th. The Save-On? Yeah. Yeah. Which is too far. Like, I know it's only, like, five blocks away from, you know, like, the 104th Street Promenade, but that is too far. Yeah. And a lot of people live downtown because they want the walkable lifestyle. And that five blocks, you know, to carry all your groceries is... That same one's the one grocery store? It's the only grocery store. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, there used to be one right on 104th Street in Jasper. Uh, but it was, it was like, a this boutique sort of specialty. Um, oh, that was that Sobeys, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. it was that Sobeys. And uh, yeah, it, it didn't do well because people just want like a plain grocery store. Right. Uh, and then actually what was interesting um, in that actual space for Sobeys was they have now since subdivided it to help that more retailers will come in there because before that's a lot of square f- feet to, right. to occupy. Which, again, is too bad because I feel like, you know, the the Downtown Business Association has done such a great job of trying to to recruit a grocery store in some way. But now it's the challenge will be where do we put it? The other challenge that the downtown right now is facing is um, when we look at the, the core of the shopping center in downtown, we have the city center mall, which has the bay. And then across we have Manulife Place. 
And I think the future of Holt Renfrew is questionable <laughs> um, with Louis Vuitton leaving their, the, the Holt Renfrew downtown. That's going to be a significant oh, yeah. um, hit to them. I think the Louis Vuitton um, sales made up 30% of the Holt Renfrew. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see that leave. Uh, and then and Burks left. So uh, Burks was like, you know, a fundamental... Um, institution for the Manulife place kind of shopping center. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. In saying all of that, I think a lot of the resources and efforts are moving to the ice district. Um, and, you know, Rogers Place is a really great example of, you know, if you build it, they will come. And I think the ice district... Yeah, it's not a bad rank. <laughs> no, it isn't. And it's beautiful. And, yeah. um, you know, and the bars get packed mm-hmm. on game nights, right? Yeah. And so this, the whole point is that now that people are ready for socialization, the re- the retail can really come in. What is happening right now with the Ice District is that they're looking for an anchor tenant. Now, some people argue that the Ice District ice district in and, of, in and of itself is an acre tenant but a lot of people want to see like an H&M okay. or a Simons or something like that that will really get the ball rolling to have other retail other retailers kind of follow suit um, so that will be really exciting and really interesting to see how that's going to unfold and you know are they going to put the movie theater there you know what other restaurants are going there yeah you know what is that hotel going to look like? And, you know, Stantec, that that building is half residential, right? So that's going to be a really interesting um, sort of dynamic for, for that whole area to um, consider. Because at the end of the day, when you have that many people now living in downtown, they're going to want to have a retail space. They're going to want to shop downtown. Um, and then, you know, the other th- interesting thing about Edmonton and the retail market is that... Um, we have West Edmonton Mall, right? And so I know that's not necessarily where students see themselves working um, from from a few conversations that I've had, but I think it's important not to discount it either because, for example, like with the Tiffany's in in Edmonton here at the West Edmonton Mall location, um, that is the director. You know, she runs a multi-million dollar business and she does it out of West Edmonton Mall. Oh, wow. And I think that is important for people to understand that this is our Rodeo Drive, so to speak, right? There's a reason why Louis Vuitton is moving to West Edmonton Mall. And so when we think about the future of retailing in Edmonton, you know, we kind of have those two, you know, between the downtown and the West Edmonton Mall, we have those cores. But then Edmonton is such an expansive city that we're, I think the future is going to be more little White Ave-ish type of areas, you know, we, you know, especially in the burbs. Right, like the Windermere Currents. Right, yeah. Heading out to St. Albert. Like, people are really wanting that, you know, farmer's market sort of small town vibe. And I think that is where people are going to have to get really innovative. And I think this is where we're going to need all the marketing students to, to partner up with these different retail centers um, and the economic development associations to help people understand that they can shop in their backyard and their backyard being Edmonton and they don't have to do everything, you know, online or travel down to Cross Iron Mills or something like that, which I think a lot of um, Edmontonians, uh, I don't want to say struggle with, but I think that they look outside of their own backyard sometimes. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's an interesting topic about kind of like the socialization and how, because when you think, I even just think about 
um, other hockey rinks like in the NHL and how there's so much built around the rink and like I think in Arizona I went down there and there's just like restaurants and malls and like everything around it and then like outside of that it's all just like deserted but everyone like rolls in Mm -hmm. shops there probably for like three hours and then goes to the game which is like and that's all they need yeah and it's a really it's really interesting to say that because our Edmonton downtown has that capacity. When we look at the Saturday's um, farmer's market, like National Geographic mm. said that that is the best farmer's market. And when you think about who, I go to that farmer's market and I live in Windermere. Right, and yeah. like So it's not convenient. It is the opposite of convenient, but it is the best one. And, and people who, the vendors that are at the farmer's market also don't live downtown. So we have the vendors and the consumers who are not living in downtown come to downtown to experience this market so therefore the ice district could be a very large version of that and it already is with food and beverage because people like you have people coming in for the games and for the concerts now they'll be like oh great i'm i'm already downtown let's go to the h&m if that's going to be the store there or um, amongst many but i think that um i think it's going to be really interesting to see how this unfolds over the next couple years and um yeah yeah, that will be really exciting. And so if you're a student, you should probably get involved early. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, and I, you know, we're hoping to do a lot of different sort of consulting um, projects this year. I, I can't speak to what the um, kind of focus will be with these consulting projects just because I don't know what they look like yet. But right. I already have a few um, that are coming down the pipe that are going to be um, about like store uh, layout and design. So that'll be really interesting for people to get kind of their hands dirty with that one. And another one will be about um, just general um, organic marketing with social media. So, oh, nice. yeah, so that one's going to be very specific with marketing students. So I really do encourage people to get in touch with me um, and can I, can I say my cell yeah, number? Yeah, I was just about to say yeah. that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. So my cell number is 780-716-7970. Um, and my email, which actually probably might be the better way to get a hold of me, is heather.thompson, T-H-O-M-S-O-N, at ualberta.ca. So yeah, I really encourage people to get in touch with me and we can have a quick chat and then I can let you know about the different positions and um, what the what the scope of work will kind of entail yeah it's a great opportunity to get paid and learn a lot about the future of retail and if i haven't sold it already it looks so good on a resume experience because it's um you know i think a lot of employers really value students that have worked uh for an institution and like you said to get that academic and that practical experience i think is really valuable Sweet. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast today, Heather. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This episode was produced by myself, Josh Radistitz, and the team at UAMA Productions. If you like this episode, leave us a rating and share it with your friends. It helps everyone discover the show. Keep an eye out on UAMA's social or subscribe for our upcoming episode.